Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out what pizza toppings everyone likes and dislikes. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Grey Fox Games. This week, we're talking about gaming get-togethers. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like Escape Room, the game Puzzle Adventure Secret of the Scientist, Exit, the game Plus Puzzle the Sacred Temple, and The Search for Planet X. Then, we talk about how to plan and host a large game night at home. And now, here are your hosts, Andy and Crystal. First off, we want to thank everyone who entered our contest to celebrate our fifth anniversary. And we want to thank our sponsor, Gray Fox Games, for providing some awesome prizes. And we are going to announce the winners. So, drum roll, everybody. The winner of the family pack of games is Nathaniel. And the winner of the After the Empire Pledge is Trey. So, congratulations and thank you to everyone who entered. We really appreciate all your kind words and your suggestions. Like, we got a lot of great feedback and we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and the winners will be getting an email or have already gotten an email from us. So, make sure you check that email so we can get your address. (laughs) If you're like me, sometimes you avoid your inbox because you're just like, I can't handle this right now. (laughs) Recently, I played a couple of escape room jigsaw puzzle games. Um, I actually streamed both of these. So I played escape room, the game puzzle adventure, secret of the scientist. That's all one name. Um, That is a mouthful and a half, I just have to say. (laughs) And then I also played Exit the Game Plus Puzzle, The Sacred Temple. So they're both pretty long games. But um, for Escape Room, The Game, Puzzle Adventure, Secret of the Scientist. uh, (laughs) Yeah, every time you're like, let's just call it Secret of the Scientist going forward. Okay, so that one is Escape Room, The Game series. Both of these are series of Escape Room board games that we've played other games in the series before so the escape room the game series is the one with there's a box with keys that you put in like a physical digital box thing and then like when you put in the right code then it tells you it's right and then you move on and then exit the game ones are the destructible ones that you can't replay Uh, so you have like cutting up and stuff like that with different lots of puzzles usually so i i liked both of them um but i'm gonna like kind of go over what they are like both of them are pretty much what you would expect from an escape room game plus a jigsaw puzzle <laughs> like if you if you like the escape room type games and jigsaw puzzling then you should definitely do this these were made for me basically <laughs> they really were <laughs> yeah so i did the secret of the scientist one first so in that one which is the escape room the game one um each puzzle is a different room like each jigsaw puzzle is a different room so you assemble the jigsaw puzzle look at it and then there's a puzzle like a puzzle for a code in it, an escape room puzzle in there. And then that will show you how to get to the next room. And it had like boxes that you open inside the box and that, that gives you to the next puzzle. And uh, the, the way you did the code for that one was like a couple of jigsaw puzzles and like one is the A piece, one's a B piece, one's a C piece. So you like put those together in the order of the code and then that's how you, <laughs> you get the box that you're opening for the next step. Yeah, so what was interesting about this one is that the puzzles weren't rectangles. They weren't nice rectangles. They had edges and stuff, but they weren't just like clean rectangles, which was nice and made it a little harder. Um, also, the pieces were not unique. Like, So some pieces were the same shape, but the art itself is unique enough that it was still easy to do. Like sometimes puzzles 
<laughs> like really cheap jigsaw puzzles are bad <laughs> but but this was this was still good to do yeah and so so I really liked it there was a story about like a scientist you who is dead and you're like trying to go into their lab and figure stuff out and save the world stuff like that <laughs> and I, I really enjoyed it there were hints for some of the puzzles I think in the book there's like a couple of hints for each puzzle so you can use that and it adds on it or subtracts from your score I used a couple of hints and I think they were useful or I might have used one hint or something so like I I, don't, I can't comment too much on the hint system but I think the one that I did use was helpful um, okay. but yeah like so I I liked it a lot and then I played exit the game the puzzle the sacred temple which that one the puzzles were different it, it was a little slightly different experience so in the exit one there's four different puzzles. Each one was a scene. So if you've played exit games, you know how there's a book that has different pictures in it. And then you're normally going through the book to look at the pictures. And then there's riddle cards and stuff. So instead of a book, it has jigsaw puzzles. So the puzzles had the scene. And then each scene has a few of the exit puzzles in them. And instead of cards, all the hints are in the book, which is nice. Because, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you can just like look it in the book. I was actually able to mostly do it without destroying. There was a couple of puzzles that had like used up the components and destroyed it. But I think like I can make it so that someone else can play with it. Because like one of them, there was cutting, but like that part wasn't super puzzly. So I don't think it'll detract too much from someone else doing the experience again <laughs> if, if you want to. <laughs> but um I really enjoyed it. What was really cool about this is the puzzles, like some of the puzzles, the escape room puzzles used the fact that it was a jigsaw puzzle. So like instead of just okay, being this... like looking at the image. Hmm? That's good. No, no, no. So that answers a big question that I kind of <laughs> had about these is like, how does the mechanic of a jigsaw puzzle factor into the game yeah. or the theme or whatever like is it just a jigsaw puzzle for the sake of a jigsaw puzzle and so you're telling me basically that at least they've they've kind of incorporated it more than just that yeah yeah for the exit ones it was for escape room the game it was not okay and that one it was just like the image and then like all of the jigsaw puzzles fit together to be like a whole image but it was it was just an image so yeah the exit the game ones though it used it, the jigsaw okay. puzzle as part of the puzzle which was really neat and also confused me sometimes because i would forget that it's a puzzle <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um and then the puzzles themselves are good quality the the pieces in the puzzles were unique so that was cool and then all but but i noticed that all four puzzles had the same cut which didn't actually wasn't actually part of like a puzzle I was thinking maybe like oh maybe you'll have to put it together the different puzzles and make like a weird combination of them but but we didn't have to do that <laughs> okay so I don't want to send us too far down a tangent here mm -hmm. but I this is not going to be my official review for this episode but I recently <laughs> played a different mm -hmm. game from Escape Room the game the mm -hmm. Jumanji one and mm -hmm. the Jumanji one is like the newer Jumanji movies in that it's like you get sucked into a video game rather than oh. a board game and so there's a bunch of levels within the game itself that you have to complete and in some of the levels they there was a jigsaw puzzle that I had to put together and that jigsaw puzzle well, admittedly I haven't done a jigsaw in a long time but from my inexperienced point of view, it was one of the worst quality jigsaw puzzles I've ever put together. The pieces oh, wow. were thin and also kind of warped. And so nothing would stay together. And spoiler alert, but not really because it's not a, really a spoiler. You have to flip 
this jigsaw puzzle over after you've constructed it. And if it were a well-constructed puzzle, I think that would have been doable. But considering it was barely holding on prior, when I tried to flip it, the whole thing just came to pieces. And I literally had to quit the game early because I was like, I'm not reconstructing this. So... But you're saying the puzzle quality from the Secret of the Scientist game wasn't too bad? It wasn't too bad, no. It wasn't as okay. good as Exit the, the Game one. one. Exit? Okay. But it was still, like, I didn't have complaints about it. So, um, there yeah. were small pieces, so maybe that helped. It was still, like, oh, yeah, the ones decent thickness, though, so. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, like, it, people can watch the VOD that you've uploaded mm-hmm. to our YouTube channel of me playing that game. But needless yeah. to say, while it was fun, the ending left <laughs> something to be desired because I didn't oh. actually get to finish it. <laughs> oh. oh, and then for replayability for mine, the the Escape from the Game, the Secret of the Scientist one is is replayable. So you can put the pieces back in the box. The thing is, um, <laughs> you don't want to like turn the box because... Or you want to, like, put the pieces in individual bags because they're in, like, these boxes kind of like Pandemic Legacy where you rip open the box to get to the puzzle pieces. But then when you put them back in after you've done it, there's no bag for it. (laughs) So, so, like, if you turn it over, the puzzle pieces will fall out and they don't have different backs. So you're not sure which one will go in which piece. So you have to be really careful with that. With Exit the Game, all the puzzles have different backs. So that makes it easier. Although, like, technically it's not replayable since some of the puzzles are destroyed so it's better for replayability but it's not supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) that's funny but yeah i I am excited about these jigsaw puzzle (laughs) escape room games and i hope more come out it always kind of fascinates me how all these companies tend to kind of come up with these ideas in tandem with one (laughs) another i know like I, it just seems odd to me. And I don't know if these games were more a result of the pandemic because Jigsaw Puzzles got mm, really popular yeah. early in the pandemic. So did the escape room game people go, ooh, let's, you know, leverage people loving Jigsaw Puzzles and put them <laughs> in the escape room games. And did they all think of that at the same time? Because they're all coming out at the same time. So I'm like... Well, Robinsberger had escape room Jigsaw Puzzles before, but that was a Jigsaw Puzzle with like a little bit of escape room puzzles at the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas this is more like an escape room with Jigsaw puzzles so that's true i like these better we were building toward this the whole (laughs) time and i just didn't notice is basically what you're saying (laughs) i don't know i mean it seems like a natural people who like puzzles like puzzles generally so it it, it's it feels like a natural fit it just like Mm -hmm. it's that whole thing where like two movies come out at the same time like deep impact (laughs) and armageddon it's like wait but how did that what's the other oh volcano and dante's peak same thing i'm like how did those movies happen at the same time For me, I'm actually, my description of my game is going to be pretty easy, Ambi, because it's a game that you (laughs) reviewed just a couple episodes ago. Mm -hmm. You talked about The Search for Planet X from Foxtrot Mm -hmm. and Renegade, which is a deduction game where you are searching, searching space for Planet X, which is hidden in one of the sectors of this big board in the middle of the table. And when you talked about it, I was like, ooh, yeah, that's one I've been interested in. And guess what? Last night, a friend of mine brought it over. And so- I was so excited. I was like, I want to play that. (laughs) So just to give a really brief overview, it is a deduction game. All players have a screen and a sheet behind that screen that they can write on. And you are using information given to you by an app to help figure out where planet X is. And you are trying to be the first to locate planet X, but 
interestingly enough, and differently from a lot of other deduction games, the person who finds Planet X is not guaranteed the win because there are mm -hmm. point values associated with other things you can do during the game, including publishing theories about what celestial objects exist in other parts of the board. So I would say from my only play of it, that the person who finds Planet X is almost always going to win, but it's not necessarily a given, and I loved that. I think that's really neat. Although, admittedly, when it happened last night, I had basically narrowed it down to two sectors, but I hadn't realized that yet. Like, I didn't realize how close I was. And mm -hmm. when my buddy Greg said that he was, you know, trying to actually, like, do the thing to get Planet X, I was like, oh, man. And then I could have also tried to find it. But I decided to just publish a theory that was worth four points instead because it was a given for me instead of mm -hmm. having to guess. And then I realized after the fact that if I had guessed, I would have gotten it right, but it would not have given me the win, so it was fine. <laughs> Needless to say, this game feels different because of the point system, mm -hmm. and it's really enjoyable, and I like how the app helps facilitate the game for all of the mm -hmm. players because each player can download the app and then use it individually on their own phone, all, yep. all connected to the same game. The logic rules will change between games. And so there's a lot, I mean, you're never going to get the same setup twice. It's a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And my buddy asked me, he said, okay, so you've played in the past year, you've played Awkward Guests, you've played Cryptid, and now you've played Search for Planet X. Of those games, you know, like, what are your favorites? And I found that question difficult to answer. Cryptid is very bare bones deduction, but it's quick because of that. And so if I want to play a deduction game and I want it to be snappy, I'm going to go for Cryptid. I like that game. Awkward Guests is more interesting to me thematically, I think. Like I kind of like the whole, you know, tracking down a murderer <laughs> thing, but the setup for Awkward Guests is a pain in the booty because mm. pulling all those cards out and then putting them back at the end of the game, it's annoying. It's worth doing, but it's annoying. So it's hard for me to choose between Planet X and Awkward Guests for which is my favorite, honestly. I like them both a lot. I've played Awkward Guests a, a few more times. Obviously, I've only played Search for Planet X once, but this is an anticlimactic. I don't know which of them is my favorite, I guess. <laughs> I would have to play Planet X a few more times. I actually think Planet X I might end up liking more, uh, but that's not to take away of my love of Awkward Guests because I really like that too. So, yeah. Search for Planet X is a win in my book. And now I really want to play it with you, Ambie, even though I know you'll kick my butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. I still need to play Awkward Guests with more people. But yeah. I am worried about setup. <laughs> it's, it's annoying. <laughs> mm -hmm. Speaking of having friends over to play board games, you and I have both been getting to do that again recently. Yay! Uh, we are both vaccinated and our friend groups are also vaccinated. And so mm -hmm. we have been gathering in small groups at our homes, which man, oh man, does it feel good. I just, yeah. although I am realizing that I am not the only one having a very particular problem right now where we get less game playing in because we're just so happy to be around each other that we just end up like chit chatting more than even <laughs> usual. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just nice to be around other humans. And it's funny because we can all, like, we've been Zooming and Skyping and talking through Discord the whole pandemic, but there's something about being in a room with other people that just, you can't quite nail it when you're online. <laughs> yeah. And it's making me infinitely happy. And I just wanted to share that fact because man, oh man, I like being around other people. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an introvert, but I still, 
missed people, so. <laughs> I mean, that's saying something. Yeah, if you if even the introverts are like, give me people, then you know. <laughs> so what we're going to talk about today is something that was suggested by one of the people who entered our contest. So shout out to Andrea. Thank you for your suggestion. We are going to talk about throwing a board game get together. And this doesn't necessarily have to be a theme party or anything like that, but we all you know, as we get vaccinated and spaces begin opening up again and things become a little more safe, more people are going to be having friends over to their house to play board games again. And some of us have kind of forgotten how to do that. So we're going to talk about our tips and tricks for throwing a board game get together, making it go smooth, seamless, making it easy, fun, and enjoyable for everybody. Yeah. My board game get togethers recently are just very uh, small. (laughs) So because for me... People have to come over after my kids go to sleep. So it's like we invite specific people over for specific games usually. And we actually did this before too. If if we were playing a bigger game, it would be like, oh, we want to play this game at this time with these people. And that's what we would do. Although recently we've been playing a lot more, like a lot of shorter games kind of. So not, not necessarily specific games, but like still just one group of people, like a couple over or one person over something to play some games when they're free. Well, I think that's a really smart way of handling it. So if you're doing a small group of people you know well, especially if you you do want to play, you know, a bigger, a heavier game, planning what game you want to play in advance can be really beneficial because... Mm I, I mean, you ask any board gamer, would you rather be learning a game or teaching a game or playing a game? I think pretty much everybody's <laughs> going to say the third one, right? Like, even if you're good at teaching yeah. or if you're a good learner, like, no, everybody wants to get to the game. And so if you plan yes. in advance, you can have everybody that's willing, you know, watch a tutorial video or read the rule book and kind mm-hmm. of at least familiarize themselves with the game in advance. So that way that teach time can be lessened and you can get to the gaming faster, which since we haven't gotten to do a lot of gaming in the past year and a half, I'd say that's the goal is getting to yeah. the gaming. Yeah. I recently, uh, some friends brought over Destinies from Lucky Duck Games, oh. which I will be talking about at some point on the podcast, but I'm waiting until I play more of it. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert, after one scenario, oh gosh, it's good, but I'm going to play it more before I give a full review because I really want to dive in. But we all kind of like, we watched um, Rodney's tutorial video in advance. And so then when we sat down at the table, it was just a quick, like, here's how things work. Here's whatever. And everybody was kind of like, okay, yeah, we already understand this. So that made it a little easier. Um, But again, that generally only works if you've got a smaller group that will all be playing the same game at the same time. Yeah. Like that's what we do for, I mean, we used to do for 18xx or like we would be like okay we're playing this game now because if the game takes three hours or something then we need to decide on it before <laughs> and and know who's playing too like absolutely so what do you do then if like let's say you throw out invites to a handful of people thinking only a couple mm-hmm. will be able to show up and now everybody can come and you have like Six or seven people, that awkward (laughs) number where you're like, what do we do? For me, 
I tend to do one of two things and it depends on who those people are. But if it's people who generally prefer more casual stuff, then I just keep everybody at the same table and we play mm -hmm. larger party style games for the most part. Yeah. If those six or seven people are my like hardcore board game friends, like the ones who really like the, the, the meaty, chunky stuff, we'll often split up into two groups of three mm -hmm. or four and then, you know, go our own ways. But when that happens, you kind of also have to be prepared in advance to some degree because I can't teach two tables a game at the same time. And I don't think most people could do that. That's I, I've heard of it happening for the record, <laughs> but I am not capable. So you basically need to know, A, that other people are bringing games or could teach your, your games and that they'd be willing to do so. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm lucky in my game group, I have a couple of different people who enjoy bringing and teaching their own games. And so it kind of, we delineate that way naturally. But then it's a bummer because I don't end up getting to play with my other friend who likes to teach games because if we split the tables, then oh, yeah. we don't ever get to play together. Although admittedly, again, this hasn't happened in a long time. So it's not as bothersome right now, I'd say. Yeah, I think the times when we've had more than like five people at once, it's like when we've invited people over a large group of people, they've been people that bring their own games and stuff. It's usually people who have a lot of games are part of the group. And then there's like a mix of casual gamers and hardcore gamers, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, but even like the ones who don't game as much have played games with us in the past. So they know some of our games. And then, so like if we split up into the people who want to play like, oh, I, let's play code names. And then other people will play like, oh, I want to play 18xx or something like but but like the people who play code names they've played before and so they know how to play yeah so then they don't have to learn something new if they don't want to and so usually the way we pick games then if there's a lot of people well we like ask people oh do you want to split up or or i'll play a game together and then everyone's like uh i don't know okay i'm glad that you i'm glad you said that because we have the same problem like <laughs> And I mean, this is, it's a nice problem to have only because that problem exists because the people I tend to game with are pretty nice. Like they're mm -hmm. kind people. So nobody wants to be that person who's like, we're playing the game that I brought, you know, like nobody yeah. does that. Like they're always like, oh yeah, I could teach this, this or this. And then somebody else is like, yeah, and I could teach <laughs> this or this. And then we all just sit there going, what should we play? And so yeah. I do often we end up help. being the person who speaks up just because nobody else is. And so mm -hmm. like, that's what I did the other night. My buddy Vince brought a couple of filler games. And so I pointed to him first and I was like, you brought Trellis, let's play it. So Vince taught us Trellis. And then mm -hmm. Greg had his games in his bag and I was like, search for Planet X, let's do it. You know, I picked <laughs> one of Vince's games and then I picked uh -huh. one of Greg's games. And then we played um, Sheepy Time from AEG that I had. And so we played cool. one game from each person and I like that felt yeah. really nice. But obviously that's a little easier with a group of three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I think with a bigger group also, when you split up, eventually, I don't know how we get to it, but like, I know we've eventually gotten to like, oh, we're playing these two games. So who wants to play this game and who wants to play this game? And then the people <laughs> split up that way. But I don't know how we got to the, like, which games we're playing. It's, just... it's sometimes hard to get people to split up too. Everybody will just yeah. sit there awkwardly. And it's like, no, you have to make a decision. <laughs> like, we're all, all of us as humans are awkward at times, no matter how introverted or extroverted yeah. we are. It's hard to make decisions as humans. Like, we're wired to not want to do that sometimes. So it makes it difficult. Mm -hmm. All right. So game selection aside, what are the other factors that 
play into a great board game get-together. Because while it's primarily about games, it's not all about games. I think we might have mentioned this in, like, a podcast episode a long time ago, but, like, food. I think we had, like, our our favorite snacks for for gaming, like, early on. We should look that up, because I honestly don't even know what I would have said. I mean, well, no. I know what my number one would have been, and it's always pizza. Because (laughs) it's cheap, everybody likes it. It's easy, like, mm-hmm. pizza tends to be my go-to if a, a meal is required as part of game night. Oh, yeah, I think I remember, like, I was thinking snacks, and then you said pizza, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, if a meal. But then oh, I was yeah. thinking, like, cheese and, <laughs> like, apples or something. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm having I such think... deja vu right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said something like that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you were, like, cheese and crackers or whatever. Yeah. And then, I yeah, I was like, pizza! <laughs> But yeah, we do get pizza for meals. <laughs> yeah, pizza's good. Um, I've done some other fun things for meals. Like we've ordered for a big get together in the past, like, you know, years ago. Like we've done like kind of catering from a, a restaurant mm-hmm. um, as well. If you're going to have a lot of people over or one time a buddy of mine actually like cooked a gigantic pot of spaghetti for everybody. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, we didn't eat the spaghetti while we were gaming because you know yeah, that's, yeah. that's a recipe for disaster. But it was really nice because it, it felt good to have a nice hearty meal, you know, that yeah. it felt better than just like shoving down some greasy pizza. Don't get me That's wrong. True. I love pizza, but it's not like, it doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes when we have our friends over, if it's like an all day thing, which isn't happening anytime soon, but like. <laughs> but it will uh, eventually. <laughs> when we did have that, Toby loves barbecuing. So he would Ooh, yeah. do barbecue and then we play in games. Cause like it takes a long time to smoke something and he just checks on the temperature and then we play games and then we have the barbecue. So it's like a in a whole event, games and barbecue and hanging yeah. out. Yeah. So. Oh man, that sounds good. I want to come over to your place next time <laughs> that happens. <laughs> just a quick drive over to San Francisco, you know. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I tend to try and have at least a couple of snacky things available, especially mm-hmm. if like the dinner style food isn't going to be present or if it's not going to be there right away. So that way, if people are hungry, they have something to munch on. I do try and I tend to try and have something dessert-esque as well, whether that's cookies or brownies or, you know, something sweet for people who want that. And then um, I also try and make sure I have a variety of drinks available. Uh, For me lately, I've kind of gotten obsessed like a bunch of other people with sparkling water. And so I have a whole bunch of different flavors of sparkling water in the fridge, as well as some like sodas and other things like that. But yeah, my my friends tend to be not super picky, which is kind of nice. I can kind of just have whatever laying around and just tell them, hey, take what you want. And that seems to work out pretty well for me. Yeah, actually, like when our friends come over, they bring food now sometimes. Um, So (laughs) oh yeah, my friends do that too. And like, that's awesome like people will ask you know oh what can I bring and we've definitely done potluck style stuff Mm. in the past as well that's always nice if you're kind of like hey bring a side dish of some kind like especially like let's say Toby was barbecuing then if everybody Mm. else brings a side dish then you've got a whole meal right there and Mm. you you all only had to worry about like the one big part of it Mm -hmm. so when Andrea suggested this topic to us she mentioned a couple of things that she was hoping we would discuss and one of those was learning new games versus old favorites and that's actually an interesting point because my game my board game group tends to enjoy playing new games learning new games and playing new games and back when we were meeting in a you know a a 
public space once a week, we were almost always learning and playing a new game every week, generally. But I would say when you do a longer game night at home, I have found generally most people only have a tolerance to learn a certain number of games. And that can vary between people. But like... Mm -hmm people's eyes will start to glaze over when you're teaching them the third or fourth new game in a row. Like that's a lot for (laughs) your brain to process. And even if they're light games, that can still be a lot. So I generally try to only stick to one or maybe two new games, especially if they're heavy at all, and then bring out stuff that's really easy to learn, party games, lighter stuff generally, either to fill the gaps or to kind of like bookend the night. Yeah, for us, it really depends on who we're playing with. We have one friend who will like play anything and play all the new games. So <laughs> that that we can do new games with them. But um, last week, we were just playing some old games that like we hadn't played in a long time. Like we played Yggdrasil, which we hadn't played since 2018 or 2017 or something. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. It was kind of like learning a new game because we hadn't played in so long. <laughs> but but yeah, like I, I think it's nice, especially since we haven't played in so long just in general. It's nice getting old favorites back because yeah, yeah we just haven't I been think able to play them. I would like to do that more. Like it's funny because mm-hmm. I still have that desire to learn and play new games. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I feel that pull toward my older games even more strongly than I used to. Yeah. Same here. Which is probably why I literally just bought every single expansion to Race for the Galaxy from Mason Weaver <laughs> online. Because I, I've owned Race for the Galaxy for a long time. I learned it in 2007. So like 14 years ago is when I first started playing that game. I've never played with any of the expansions. Not a single oh, one. Wow. Uh, And admittedly, it's not a game I play crazy often, so that's been fine. But, like, I've always been curious about the expansions. And when Mason said he was selling all of them, I was like, I will take all of them, please. (laughs) And I don't know if or when I'll get around to it. But, like, I that pull toward that old game that I love, Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, but old game, new content. (laughs) Then it's kind of the best of both worlds, right? Like, I get to scratch both itches at the same time, which sounds like oodles of fun for me. I bought a few Flashpoint Fire Rescue expansions a couple of years ago. Or no, I got them in a math trade or something and still haven't played with the expansions. But I played the base game with you. <laughs> yeah, we played the base game. But I feel so bad. I forgot to clip some of the moments from that before oh. it left our Twitch. I just completely oh, spaced off clipping that one. And man, we had some fun moments eating hot sauce and playing Flashpoint <laughs> yeah. Fire Rescue. Um, is the VOD on our um, yes, YouTube? Yes. Okay. YouTube, yeah. So people can go watch all of the fun moments over on our YouTube channel if they want to see us eating progressively hotter hot sauces <laughs> and watching fires spread. But we've touched on this a couple of times throughout the conversation. I think one of the most important things to consider as a host of a board game get-together is trying to stay aware of the mood of the group and individual people as much as you can. Again, this, this touches on a whole bunch of things that we've talked about, like the food, learning games, what games to pick, how to split up the groups, like... If you're being cognizant of people, you may need to shift strategies on the fly. Like, it's Mm -hmm. nice to plan things in advance, but if you are unwilling to modify that plan, you could end up with a group of people not having that much fun. Because if Mm -hmm. everybody is tired and doesn't want to learn a thing, then pull out one of those old favorite party games. Like, 
let you know even if you had planned on playing that new hot euro game if people aren't in the mood they aren't in the mood and i will admit i'm sometimes bad at diverting like if i really want to do a thing i will force it onto people without realizing that i'm doing that and mm. that's not always great so i i'm gonna yeah that's something that i need to work on i think I'm even almost worse at it now because I'm so excited to play games with people that I kind of like, I turn into a like excited puppy that like is just not paying attention to anything. I'm just like, yes, new games, new games, let's play things. Ah, like, and it, that's not, that's not always the way to handle uh, a game night. <laughs> so. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. If you've heard the buzz about After the Empire, head over to GameFound to get your own copy of this medieval worker placement game. And if you want to get 20% off non-exclusive Gray Fox Games, just use the code BGBLITZ21 at checkout on grayfoxgames.com. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord by following the link in the show notes. You can support the show by leaving us a rating and review on your podcast provider. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mount. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time. Ooh, I want to play some games. But I can't choose until we learn the rules. Bye, everyone. <laughs>